And we are live from the Empire of Lies, a bastion of truth and free speech in the vast wasteland that is the New World Order. We're joined by Carmine Sapia on Carmine Monday, and this is the backstory. Hey, Carmine, how are you doing today? I'm phantasmagorical. How are you, sir? So I'm fine. Did you have a nice weekend? I worked, you know. It was nice. Not too hot, I take it? Or was it too hot? Bro, ridiculous. Bro, bro, a hundred, over a hundred degrees, five days in a row. And today is actually lower temperature, but the worst of the bunch. Because it's so humid, you cannot breathe. Monkey, you're saying? Yes. Also, we have bad news for New Jersey. We have bad news for New Jersey, Carmine. I know flags will be flying at half mast. Did you hear who passed away? I heard. I saw New Jersey trending. Yeah, Paul Sorvino, right? Paul Sorvino is exactly right. That's cause for flags to fly at half mast in Jersey, right? Yes, and his wife is a great conservative. Um, but the one thing that keeps popping in my mind is. This is not a great month to be a television or movie gangster. Right. Polly Walnuts died last week. He had, uh, well, the you actor got, played Polly Walnuts. Ray Liotta, James Conn, Paul Sirico. Right. And of course, Paul Servino was great in Goodfellas. No, no, no. No, he, no, no. Sirico no. and then Paul Servino. So it's four. Okay. Right, right. Sirico was Polly Walnuts. But. Losing a lot of major actors who were in gangster shows. Fair enough. Oh, bro, unbelievable, bro, unbelievable. It's crazy. Some of these now, guys are, are, are guys. I, I obviously I watched all this stuff because a lot of it is filmed around here, and a lot of it pertains to some people that I actually know in real life. You know, they, so what they say they're dropping like European prime ministers. Does it make sense? Because is that what they Europe- say? <laughs> I thought it was flies, but okay, I'll take that. It's dark humor, but uh, we had Boris Johnson leave, and his replacement is about to be picked. And in the first hour, we're talking to the great Ian Schilling. Ian will have a skinny on what's going on in the UK. And in the second hour, Sputnik's own correspondent, Wyatt Reed, will be joining us briefly. He has to go, so we only get him for 15 minutes, but we're honored to have him for 15 minutes. I'm sorry, who did you say? Wyatt Reed. Oh, okay, cool. He's a Sputnik correspondent. And he's over in Spain, I'm letting you understand. And he'll be talking about the Ukrainian kill list. And now they're trying to kick out journalists. Have you heard much about this in mainstream media? Carmine? To be honest, I, I have not. No, I have not. I'm not shocked. But Ukraine very clearly has a kill list journalists who they want to kill and a couple of them we've been proud to have on the show so watch out are you on this list Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if I was I don't think I actively am I was in a film called Revealing Ukraine that they attacked the TV station playing it with a missile a couple years ago Okay. but I wasn't there (laughs) <laughs> but they really didn't like the film the Oliver Stone executive produced film they really didn't did, like it 
Now, did you happen to see the thread I, I posted yesterday? Maybe. Which one? About what's actually happening, and 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 then there's a little part that Ukraine plays in it as well, and what's going on with the whole global new world order. It was a really good thread, and I actually but, I could let's, tell. Let's, let's let's say the name of the show and talk about that. Say the name of the show. I would, it, Carmine. I think it's a good idea. You're in control. Oh. You this control the boom. Is the backstory. See how that works? It's amazing. Amazing. It's amazing. Well, I mean, it waits for the, the good looking one to say it, I think, is how it works. I don't, not 100% sure, but. Yes, you are. Okay, so what <laughs> were you saying? What was this thread about? So the thread I wrote, it's something that I've, I've had close to the vest for a long time. Some people know it, some people don't. Um, but it was just, it was information that I had, and I was like, you know, Maybe it's time I start actually telling people, like, what's going on. So, all right. So I wrote, here's some truth you're not ready for on the, quote, science. So I hate to red pill people and without them saying, okay, because it kind of stinks to know it, but I'll, I'm going to do it. So if you don't want to know, close your ears. So I said, here's some truth you're not ready for on the science, but you can research every word of it and find that it's 100% accurate. And this is the most important thread you're ever going to read. Now, I have a lot more I could say. This is just the tip of the iceberg. But the Club of Rome, which was formed at, as a branch of the Bilderberg Group, it's, it's a well-known, it's a real thing. You can, again, Google this. The Club of Rome believes that the only way to sustain humans on Earth is to form a one-world government, and members believe in depopulation. In fact, in August 1980, Howard Odom, who's a Club of Rome member, said, quote, it is necessary that the U.S. cut its population by two-thirds within the next 50 years. But he doesn't say how to do it, because the truth is, the Club of Rome believes in depopulation by any means necessary. Now, the 1970s Club of Rome hired four MIT scientists to create a computer program to determine what it had already decided, that population growth and pollution, among other things, would lead to catastrophe and to the end of human civilization by 2040. Lo and behold, the four MIT scientists that they hired came to the same conclusion that the Club of Rome members actually came to. So it's important to note that the Club of Rome works with NATO and Club of Rome exclusively blames Western societies for these issues in their book, The Limits to Growth, which was published in 1973, where they predicted okay. that we would start seeing the signs of the collapse of Western civilization and society. They predicted we'd start seeing the signs of it by 2020. But here's the important part. India, Pakistan, Indonesia, the Philippines, Ukraine, North Korea, Peru, and Sri Lanka have seen their carbon emissions rise 50 to 20%, while carbon emissions in the United States and the West are at historic lows. So this is the part where people say, well, trust the science, right? Correct. But where, where, here's the real thing about that. 70% of all scientific research is privately funded. Less than 5%, Lee, less than 5% of these privately funded studies ever come to a conclusion that contradicts the sponsor. This includes, of course, governments. So everything I just said there can be Googled, and you'll find out that every word of it is, is completely accurate. And so, upshot, when are we going to die? Uh, well, I would say to you, I can't tell you, but I would say uh, it's starting now. Uh, and you'll see it 
probably by in full effect, you're not going to stop seeing it, but in full effect, you're going to see it by 20, 2040. Now, what do I see on your thread about cannibalism? That worries me a little. You had some thread about cannibalism. Mine. You didn't you see that on mine. Remember what? I did. I'm pretty sure. Are you? It was something about cannibalism. I don't think you saw that for me. I don't delve into that. No, I think it was in the news. Oh, you know well, I saw. There was an editorial that came out in favor. Maybe it's time for cannibalism. Did you see that editorial? Uh, yes. What the hell? Well, I mean, have you did, ever you been- that, it, did you see that? Uh, the um, WEF is actually calling for the end of uh, automobiles, private car ownership. Yes, but that's not the same as. Uh, have you ever been sitting around and you're so stuck for a topic for editorials that you're like, maybe advocating cannibalism, maybe that'll raise a few eyebrows. I should take an unpopular position in favor of cannibalism. Has that ever occurred to you? Ever, never, never. But and, and what I don't. Yeah, go ahead. How would how, how would that happen without murder? Well, natural causes cannibalism. It's sort of organic cannibalism. You're in favor of a kinder, gender cannibalism. Does it make sense? Dear Lord. Just people who die of natural causes, and maybe are laying around for a couple of days. Those are prime candidates for cannibalism. If you want to catch cannibalism, botulism, which doesn't sound good to me. My God, this is, you're talking about, you know, Lee, sometimes what we do for a living messes with your brain, bro. Like, you, you can't believe this exists. Frequently, lately, that is my feeling. There are things that I, I wish I were making up, but they're real. Have you had that happen to you where you start to report a news story and you go, wait, is this real or am I writing for the Babylon Bee? You don't know anymore. Have you had that experience, Carmine? Yes. And it's, it's, you know, I mean, it's good Lord. It's like everything that's evil they want. Well, we're going to end soon, but when we come back, the top story in the headlines today, all over the headlines, was out of Canada involving the Pope. And I'll talk about it afterwards because you saw the Pope is in Canada apologizing to indigenous people for the way Catholic schools treated them. You saw that, right? Yeah. So I want to know why is the Pope leaving out American indigenous people? Because we were abused by the Catholic Church and those same schools. Those same schools. You, and I'll talk about it. Would, yeah, I want to know how. Because I was I went to Catholic school. But yeah, I want to know how specifically I wasn't abused. Well, the way they were abusing him is they were having sex with him as children. And the way we know this is 
email, forgive me, mails from the 1960s came to light several years ago where they said things like, oh, I, I forget who it was, but I'm, I'm quoting the wrong father, but they said like, Father Jones is hit the sauce again. He's drinking again. And we found a torn pair of girls' panties in the rectory basement. That was in a letter between the diocese and people, you know, people who ran the diocese. So that's and pretty this damning. Was, this, this is where you went to school? This is Minneapolis. A lot of Indians who are now in their 60s and 70s and 80s it's happened in the in the 60s because there was no oversight. And that letter came out in the Minneapolis Diocese a few years ago. But I'll tell you the story of that when we come back after we talk to Ian Schilling. Let's take a story of Ian on. Okay. But I assume he's coming on soon, right? Okay. I thought we were going to him at the 50 minutes past the hour. So let me tell you about that now, Carmine. Because you seem skeptical. A few years ago, in the 1980s, the diocese in Minnesota was sued by people who claimed that they'd been molested as children. And in the course of that lawsuit, discovery came out. And they had asked for all the mail correspondence, you know, the postage between this diocese people who are running it and the priests in the field in Minnesota and South Dakota, because the South Dakota diocese was running out of Minnesota. Does it make sense? So they asked for discovery and they sure. got it. And among the letters that were found were that letter I mentioned where they openly discussed this one priest who they said was hitting the bottle again and they found a torn pair of panties in the rectory basement. So you'd think if you're a lawyer for the Native Americans, you just won, right? Sure. I mean, that's, so pretty, think, that's pretty stone cold evidence. So that seemed devastating. But up in South Dakota, the lawyer for the church happened to be a member of the legislature. In other words, the guy who's a lawyer for the Catholic Church was in the South Dakota legislature. Now, that has some advantages. So he introduced a bill that threw out the cases. And what it says is anyone who's suing after a certain number of years, and they picked just the number of years so none of these Indians could sue. Does that make sense? These Indians are in their 70s now, of but they said, no, you can't sue. Clever, eh? Certainly not surprising. Of course they did it no. that way. And, and they canceled the lawsuits of the Native Americans. But for it to become law, it was signed into law by the governor of the state of South Dakota at the time, Mike Rounds. Mike Rounds is now a senator from South Dakota and a Catholic. So he signed that into law, throwing out the cases of Native Americans who'd been molested. Now, I found out about this story back in uh, 2014 
when I was up here working the Senate races. And I tried to get, you'd think that he's, it's a Republican who'd canceled the cases of Native Americans who molested. You would think that that would make the news. Wouldn't you think so? Because it's a Republican who did it. Right, right, Carmine? Absolutely, brother. Absolutely. It's, it's you know, as a person who went to Catholic school, it's it's hard for me to listen to this. Honestly, it's it's just so hard because I didn't know about any of this. I don't, you know, I don't know if this, this might have happened in my school. I don't even know. Well, I believe, I believe, of course, you don't know about it. And it's shocking to a lot of people. And that's why the thing to do should have been essentially what the Pope did today and possibly followed up. There's got to be settlements or something like that. It is shocking. People, got to sure. People have to be made whole, bro. Right. And it was shocking. And the fact that evidence came out so clearly in this case, and I talked to the lawyers at the time, I've read the letter. You, you can't make this up. But Mike Rounds threw the case out. And when I was talking about that case up here in South Dakota, <laughs> was, the, was the only time as a reporter that I've ever been assaulted. Mike Brown's staff assaulted me because I got back. Mitt Romney was going to do a speech for Mike Rounds, and they saw me coming, and they knew I'd ask Mike out loud about the case that he signed into law that threw out the cases of Native Americans who'd been molested. And so his team assaulted me, and I was thrown to the ground. The only time that's ever happened to me. They play politics for keeps in South Dakota. So Apparently. That's, my that's my tale of journalistic woe. There you go. But it's a little something. In and what I don't understand is why the Pope and why no stories, they act as though this abuse, they don't talk about what it is in Canada. They just say, like going to Catholic school was a bad thing. They don't talk about molestations, but I guarantee you they didn't draw a line at the border and say, we're only going to molest the kids on this side of the line. Does that make sense? If they were covering up molestations, my guess is they were in Canada and the U.S. Is that a fair assumption? Of course, bro. It doesn't, uh, it doesn't stop, dude. And I don't see any stories about it whatsoever. So I find it a bit bizarre because the target, again, is a Republican governor. So I could see where they might ignore it otherwise. But with a Republican governor, it seems too good to, you see what I'm saying? They have to cover it because it's a good way to demonize a Republican. That's why I'm shocked by no coverage. Well, then you have to wonder why. And and they couldn't keep it out of one country. Canada is covering it all over the place. And the Pope's paying a special visit there. So I'm surprised because if you think about it, Canada's right across the border. The northern border is very close to Sioux Falls. It's very close to, forgive me, South Dakota and specifically North Dakota and Minnesota all right on the Canadian border, very close. So I'm surprised the news didn't make it over, but apparently not. This story is getting buried. 
do you have an explanation? Is it the power? Is it the power um, of the Jesuits? They got a lot of money and a lot of power, bro. But I didn't think that much, especially in the the age. Do you know where they don't seem to have a lot of power? Have you heard a lot of the, the we talked about it a couple of weeks ago. The 10-year-old girl who got pregnant and had to cross the state line to get an abortion. Have you heard about that story? Yes, yes I have. Well, it's not true. Her appointment to go across the state line was made before Roe v. Wade was overturned. Yet I'm still hearing that story. You follow me? Well, wh- whoa, no, tell- wait, I got to hear about this. Well, I read an article on that story. And apparently the 10-year-old girl's mother made the appointment across the border before Roe versus Wade was overturned. So it had nothing to do with Roe v. Wade. It's just where she wanted to go. Well, why? So she wasn't, I, I don't, I, I didn't get that part, but I, I saw it very clearly and I read it twice. She did not make, for whatever reason, she made the appointment at this place. She p- thought it was a b- better facility, apparently. But a story that they knowingly know is false, they repeat it over and over. Have you noticed that? You, you haven't even heard. Oh, I've heard a whole lot about it. I'll say that. Look into it. And what you'll find, because I didn't realize until afterwards that, and the part that does sound bizarre, of course, is I was not aware that 10-year-olds could get pregnant. Were you? I was not aware of that either, no. That seems awful young. Just biologically. I mean, because and biologically, I, I mean, they, they, they wouldn't have their thing yet. And I've heard about some girls starting, you know what I've heard it has to do with. People who've talked about it, I've heard in the past, were talking about milk. And they were talking about GMO milk. Children who were raised milk-fed on today's milk. Because of the genetic modifiers, they were saying girls are getting pregnant at a younger and younger age. Have you ever heard that? And I've, I've heard never that. heard that. No. Because I have to think. You know it's what's the rare. interesting part? You know what the you know what the interesting part is, man? The thought actually never occurred to me that how does a ten year old get pregnant? That thought never actually occurred to me. Yeah. So, and we'll talk about when we come. But we'll talk to Ian first. But next hour, Carmine, you and I will talk about Dusty Johnson, the congressman from South Dakota. Because do you know who this milk toast, mild-mannered congressman from South Dakota is taking on? Do you know who? I don't know. Bill Gates. And what a swell fellow he is. And we'll talk about why. But it's because of all the farmland Bill Gates has bought up. And we'll talk about it next hour. Do you know about Bill Gates and the farmland? I do. I do. Nobody seems and, to care, though. Well, Dusty Johnson, the congressman, the one and only congressman from South Dakota, is bringing it up. And we'll talk about it next hour. But let's first talk to our friend across the pond. Let's take a short break and go to the great Ian Schilling and find out what's up in New in England parliamentary politics as Liz Truss takes on Richard Suak in the UK. And let's take a short break, and when we come back, 
joined by Ian Schilling on The Backstory. Backstory and on the radio at 105.5 FM, AM 1390. We're joined from across the pond by a good friend, Ian Schilling, political analyst. Hey, Ian, how are you doing? Hi, guys. So, Great to be on again. Then there were two, eh? So it's Liz Truss versus Richard Suyak. Now, it seems like Truss is, in a sense, competing against herself because she's making a, a number of unforced errors like she brought up her position on brexit was that a mistake for liz trust to bring up yeah because she she was she was at least lukewarm on it wasn't she and uh, she hasn't done a very good she didn't do a very good deal good job when she was trade minister on the uh, on the trade deals so i mean she should try and stay clear of that but uh, i mean i i don't know i mean it's all it's all the circus act and a political stage show and whatever. They're both going to be terrible. They're just trying to outdo each other for the base at the moment because it's the it's the Tory party members that are going to vote vote for them. They're both terrible. They're both trying to out out warmonger each other on China and Russia, saying we're gonna we're gonna fight Russia and China and whatever. As if the UK can fight Russia and China. <laughs> <laughs> the piddly, piddly little army that they got. <laughs> it's pathetic. Actually, but I mean, Johnson did something that was rather surprising. He went all in on Ukraine on his way out the door, right? Didn't he do something? Yeah, talk about that, yeah. Ian. Uh, well, he said he said some more some more weapons, didn't he? Heavy weapons. I can't remember what they were, but but some more some more you know high tech long range artillery or something. And. So, I mean, I mean, the, the country's bankrupt. We're going into a recession. They send billions of billions of dollars worth of arms to Ukraine. It's absolutely madness. I mean, the, the government is just completely insane. We're we're we we're going to get screwed so badly. Whoever wins, we're just going to get screwed so badly. I mean, Sunak is pushing all central bank digital currencies, which means there's no privacy anymore. The government will know exactly what you spend your money on and can dictate what you can and can't spend your, your own money on. Right, so you won't be able to, to donate to political parties that the government doesn't like. You won't be allowed to do, donate to alternative journalists and websites that the government don't like and deem misinformation, i.e. calling out the government lies. We're, we're, I mean, it's going get, get, gonna to go really bad. And the, the, I mean, inflation's nine percent, and it was it was point one percent above expectations. So the economy is just going to go down the tubes, just like all of Europe and America is going to go down the tubes as well. And and so, which which will which will, which will mean that Keir Starmer, Tony Blair clone, and arch globalist will will be, be be in with a chance of winning the next election in two years time. We're in a real real trouble. And what say you? Any questions for Ian Carmine? You know, I kind of look at it across the pond as a uh, 
as its own thing. I don't really know much about it, but the one thing I do know, and I, I think I said this to Ian last week, uh, it just seems to me that what the people want over there doesn't really matter much. They'll just keep having elections and votes until they get the vote and the election they want. It just seems to me that's the way they, oh, this one was elected, this party was elected, and here's your new prime minister. No, 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 we don't like that. We're going to do a no confidence and pull him out. When's the last time somebody actually stayed from term to term as prime minister? Uh, Tony Blair. That's a long time ago. So, I mean, do, do you get anything from, like, your, your fellow yeah. British countrymen and women that are like, why even bother voting? Oh, most people are totally fed up. I mean, most people most people in the UK are just totally fed up with politics. I, I mean, there's, cert, there's certain issues that people might focus on, like the Scottish Scottish people might focus on independence or not or whatever. But, I mean, most people are just fed up with it because the, the government is just, just awful. And what? But, I mean, what can you do? You, yeah, you haven't got a choice. You can't vote for a change because well, no, they're both but main if you parties. They're going to remove thing. the change anyway with their own vote. You voted for Brexit. Then there was 8,000 votes to try to get out of Brexit, and they're still going to probably get out of it. Yeah, well, we haven't probably let, probably, properly left the EU. We're still under EU control. Yes, but. and that's, it, that's not yeah. just true on paper, but that's true. Haven't the Brits acted essentially like they're part of the EU still with, with regards to NATO? In regards to this entire Ukraine thing, it's like England never left Europe, isn't it? Well, UK is one of the biggest stirrers up of, of escalating the war in Ukraine. I mean, certain, certain countries. I mean, Germany was sort of against escalating the war in Ukraine. So some of them are mild. But uh, UK has always tried to stir up war in, in Europe because it weakens Europe. So the UK is relatively more powerful. Now, that's what the UK and England has been doing for the last 500 years, is provoking wars in Europe to de de destabilise and um, weaken Europe. Right? That's, what they, that's what they've been doing for the last 500 years. There's no change. And they're doing it now because the Ukraine war, I mean, all the refugees now that are fleeing out of Ukraine and going to Poland, I don't know how many of them, two million of them, but all the Polish taxpayers are now got to pay to support them, haven't they? With all welfare payments, so they they are then asked for funds from the EU to pay for pay for housing or all the all the Ukrainian refugees. So the rest of the EU taxpayers are pay for it, right? And 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 the other countries that they're going to, Romania and wherever else. So uh, and cutting off the oil and gas supplies and sending sending the the um, natural gas price triple, tripling the, the natural gas price will just cripple all the industry in Europe. There's going to be a major recession in Europe. It's going to be a horrible. Right? They're, all t uh, they're all, t all wondering when Putin's going to turn the gas off. He won't turn it off for, for a while yet because he wants to put the screws on and use the most, uh, most opportune time for him. So, But meanwhile, that they actual gas supply is being reduced, isn't it? It's been reduced by 40% through Nord Stream or whatever. So so they won't have the stockpiles for the winter. So they'll run out of gas. They're already talking about electricity blackouts across Europe because they won't have enough enough um, energy supply. They won't have enough oil and gas and coal and whatever else.
Speaking of climate change, were you just, you obviously, you were affected by the weather. You were hit with 100 degree weather in London last week, right, Ian? Yeah, it got to 104 here. Yes. I mean, but, but this happens nearly every year. There was two days heat wave where it got to 100, and the next day it was 73. Right? It was cool. Right? Two days it was because the wind blew from the Sahara across Spain, which is damn hot, and then up to the up to the UK. It happens nearly every year. We get two or three days of very hot weather because the wind blows from the Sahara. And then it blows back to its normal normal place coming from the Atlantic, and it's all cool again. It just it's just regular. I mean, it might have been a, a slightly hotter this time than 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 usual. You know, usually it might be about ninety five, and this time got to one hundred and four. But it's the same weather. That's interesting. California's got the Santa Ana winds, of course, that uh, blow across the mountains and make it very warm. So it's a, a similar thing, but. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, if, if, the, if the wind blows across the desert, the desert's going to be hot and warm it up, isn't it? And then it then it warm up wherever it's going to. And speaking of the wind blowing across the desert, that's a good segue. What do you think Biden was trying to accomplish in Saudi Arabia? See what, what segue he did? He didn't even know you were making it. But the desert that blew across from Saudi Arabia was not favorable to Biden. What do you think he's trying to do? And do you think Biden cares at all about the energy situation for Europe? No, he's making it worse, isn't he? I mean, if if he was worried worried about the oil situation, he would he would be um, stopping all the restrictions on on oil production that he put in place and and the pipelines from Canada and and new new exploration and whatever. It'd be ramping, doing everything he could to ramp up American oil and gas production, wouldn't he? He's he's done the opposite. He's put restrictions on what they can produce and whatever. So he's deliberately he's deliberately reduced American oil and gas production to exacerbate the problem. And then he goes to Saudi Arabia, begging them to increase production. So, so he he wants to buy oil from from tyrannical despots from Saudi Arabia, but he won't won't create jobs in America by producing more oil and gas from domestic domestic resources. And it's ridiculous. Carmine, can you defend Biden's energy policy, please? You know, Ian's insulting American energy policy. Put them straight, Carmine. Yeah, uh, you, you can keep going, and I <laughs> totally agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> no, so it is abysmal. And Joe Biden also has a habit of starving people. You notice he also doesn't really care. The U.S. is speaking out against it. They've tried to make it the Russian food crisis. But in fact, it was Ukraine who mined the harbors, right, Ian? Ukraine's mined the harbors. Yeah, they mined the harbors and, and stopped their exports going out. Yeah, yeah. So there's obviously disruption to Ukrainian agriculture. There must be because of the war. But the war's only in a certain place, and that's not agricultural, is it? 
because that's the the southeast is all industrial with um, steel making and iron ore and whatever else that they do making making steel pipes and whatever else. And it's the west of Ukraine that's got most of the ag- agriculture, and the western Ukraine hasn't really been touched by the war, has it? It's bar- barely. So, I mean, they obviously obviously having problem with distribution and transport things because the railway lines have been knocked out, stuff like that. But apart from that, they're not they're not affected. And it, it's only two percent of world pro- world production that Ukraine exports. So, if there was nothing else going on, it wouldn't be a problem. It'd be just be absorbed. But there's all sorts of other things, aren't they? That that they're, they're fertilizer thing that they the high high. Um, Energy costs have meant that fertilizer plants have shot, shut down all over the world because they're uneconomic now because they rely on natural gas to produce the fertilizer. So if the natural gas has gone up three times, they can't afford to produce fertilizer at the current prices. So and they is just shut Britain's it down. role in Ukrainian politics, going back to World War II, well known to people in the UK, do they know that Stefan Bandera, the leader? of the Ukrainian insurgent army and, and hero to Ukrainian Nazis after World War II went to England and MI6 put up Bandera himself in England. Is that history known to people in the UK, Ian? Nobody in England knows that, no. It's not going to appear in the mainstream press, something like that. Of course they're not. <laughs> So, so only only the most well-informed people know anything like because that. Because that's just history. That's just a fact. Oh, Look is. up where Bandera yeah. ended up. Yeah. Well, well, the, the, the UK, the UK and the US was was trying to use Bandera to stir up resistance against the um, Soviet communists, weren't they? Just that's after right. World War Two. That was a plan. But again, the UK. Yeah took in as a refugee a Nazi war criminal, Stefan Bandera. And that I think that should be known to more people, especially in the UK. Well, it should do. I mean, it should be known to more people about how many former Nazis went all over Europe and, and the US. I mean, I mean, that's... That Nazis got, got put into high positions in NATO when it first started. Well, I don't know who was the deputy secretary general or something like that, but he was a former Nazi. And Operation Paperclip, where the Americans transported all the Nazi rocket scientists and anybody else that they wanted over to America, weren't they? Werner von Braun, and and a whole load of Nazi scientists that they they took over and, and Nazi war criminals. But I mean, they're not. They're, they're, nobody gets informed about things like Operation Paperclip, do they? That they transported loads of Nazis out of Germany and into the US and into high, high-powered positions in West Germany after the war. Yeah, it seems like England and the US, Carmine, have a mixed relationship with Nazis. When it's convenient, everyone they don't like is a Nazi. Trump's a Nazi. Have you noticed that? But yes. On the other hand, they work with them. Their intelligence agencies work with actual Nazis for decades. What's up, Carmen? I don't. I don't know. I can't tell you, bro. I can't tell you. I don't. They they haven't got any morals or principles. They just do whatever is convenient. And the media is so 
so bought and paid for, the media doesn't question it. So they can get away with anything, can't they? They get away with anything. Now, over here, we're going to be talking about in a second, uh, a congressman who's taken on Bill Gates. Has Bill Gates, the other era about area about the food supply, that's not one thing you're saying, they're talking about it now because, and they're blaming it all on the Ukraine-Russia war. And they're saying that's causing, but there are other problems with the food supply, such as the environmental restrictions. And that's what happened in Sri Lanka, right? And isn't the WAF yeah. a yes. big, bigger threat to food supply than Russia or Ukraine? What say you, Ian? Yes, they are. And all, all the globe, all the climate alarmists and all the globalists all pushing the same agenda. So they're, they're threatening to cut... Dutch food production by 30%, and, and the Dutch are really big exporters of food, which produce a load of food, and and the Ger Germans are protesting now because they could get threatened with um, agricultural cuts. The Italians are protesting, the Spanish are protesting about, about, about high fuel prices and, and other problems that the government is causing. Ireland's the latest one. The Irish government is now going to, is saying we're going to cut down the amount, amount of farmland and the amount of food we produce. In the middle of a global global food crisis. So there's nothing about increasing fertiliser production to make things better or something. They're all making it worse. And Trudeau's doing it in Canada, and he's going to cut down cut down wheat farmers and whatever else by limiting how much fertilizer. Now, have you seen any <laughs> protests and solidarity with the Dutch farmers in England yet? Yeah. Oh, not in England, no, no, not in England. But there's been in Spain and Germany and Poland. And it seems to me they could they could happen anywhere. You know. Yeah, well, th things are going to get much worse. We haven't had this year's harvest yet. Come October, and they say that, you know, all the wheat yields are down or whatever because of the lack of fertiliser, and we haven't got enough food for the next year. That's when it's going to hit, when when it's this year's harvest in October. And I've noticed, uh, Carmine, if you want an issue that cuts across party lines, go into a rural crowd anywhere in this country and ask them about Monsanto. Have you ever oh, talked yeah. to farmers about Monsanto? I've never have, but I'm, I'm aware of Monsanto, yes. And I know farmers aren't very pleased with it. They hate it because they've genetically modified food. They've done stuff like they've genetically modified food so you can't, you know, normally with crops, you grow them. And then you have the seeds for the next season. Does that make sense? You've grown your crop, and now you have seeds. But Monsanto was very clever. They realized they're losing money that way. So they genetically modified crops so that they don't reproduce. So no, it's not. It's not that. But they, 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 part of the selling the seeds in the first place to the farmers, they cannot use their own seeds to plant next year's crop. They got to buy more seeds from Monsanto yes. every year. So it's not that they can't produce. They don't don't modif genetically modify the plants to not produce seeds, but they can't use those seeds that they've produced themselves to plant the next year's crop. Monsanto, the deal with Monsanto doesn't allow them. 
So they've got to buy more seeds every year from Monsanto. So Monsanto now, how is it that that's legally possible? Because uh, it's not like I understand, for instance, if I buy an Eric Clapton album, I can't play it on the radio. That me buying the album doesn't give me the right to broadcast it or to make Carmine a copy. I get that. But you buying seeds to plant, I don't think, does that make sense, Carmine? I don't, I don't understand why the seed company gets to say what happens with the seed. I buy a seed, I assume it's mine. Would you assume that, Carmine? I mean, yeah, you would assume if you buy the seed, you can do with it what you want. Correct. But you're saying it's not I mean, the case here. For time immemorial, you went, I mean, yeah. back in the day, I don't know if you guys ever watched Dennis the Menace. You guys ever watched Dennis the Menace? I know you didn't, Ian. You're too young. But the old Dennis the Menace with Mr. Wilson, he goes, you know, and he buys the seeds and stuff. He goes to the local store, the local, you know, I guess it's called horticulture store, horticulture store. And we called it a plant shop in my day. And he buys the seeds and he plants them. And then every year they, they come back and, and what have you. That That's kind of how it used to be. Nature nature has set that up. It's not it's not that way. You don't go to the plant store and then you can do whatever you want with the seeds. Right? Well, that's what you used to be able to do. Yes. But not, but not if you buy the GMO, if you plant the GMO seeds now. No. Because the patent is owned by the... Uh, by the GMO company, and they they, they dictate what you can and can't now do. Also, these environmental restrictions. We talked about the weather, the global warming. That Ian says wasn't that bad in England, and that's good. But they use any extreme weather as a chance to promote their environmental agenda, which never, which doesn't seem to be working out in places like Sri Lanka. A lot of what they were said about is this, uh, what do they call it, the net zero thing? Yeah, net. Well, they, they, they obeyed all the W, in Sri Lanka, they obeyed all the WEF rules and agendas that they wanted to do. They went full on GMO, so all their cops were GMO. Right? So, and then, then they had lockdowns past lockdowns in, in Sri Lanka for, I don't know, 18 months. So there was no tourism. So the country went bankrupt because, you know, he makes quite a lot of money from tourism. So there was no tourism money coming in, and all the lockdowns meant the economy was down the tube. So, so, so the country just went bust. It ran out of foreign reserves, didn't it? And that's what's caused all the current crisis. The country went bankrupt. And the other problem, of course, was you couldn't buy gas. They literally restricted gas sales. Did you hear that apart, Carmine, where they stopped selling gas? Yeah. People are queuing up for two days for a little bit of gas. Yeah. <laughs> so you understand? Because they can't afford to buy any because they've got import oil. They don't produce any of their, oil, of their own oil and gas. They have to import it all. They haven't got any hard currency to pay for it, so they haven't got any. Now, we know that it's supposed to be a cold winter, I've heard, this winter. And we know that Germany, for instance, is already saying that they're facing energy problems. What do you think is going to push people over the edge? And let's say they're already doing solidarity protests in Germany. Do you expect to see a lot more protests in Germany, Ian? 
Yes, there's going to be a lot more protests all over you know, all over Europe, in, in Germany, in France, in Spain, in Italy, all over. Right. Whether it make any difference or not is another matter, but there'll be, be loads of protests. Well, you didn't mention England. Are you, are you skeptical that England's going to rise up with the World War Re- Revolution? Uh, the English are just so brainwashed. I can tell you from having English, a lot of English friends... From, at least from what I know, they are a very docile people. Very apathetic. Yes. Well, it's one thing to be docile. It's another thing to be freezing and starving. And I think at a cer- certain point, do you, do you agree <laughs> in, yeah. at a certain point, they will they will rise up. Well, the unions will go on strike and things if they don't get their huge pay rises that they're asking for. So there's already strikes been happening. There's going to be rail disruption and whatever else. So there's going to, over the winter, there's going to be a load of load of strikes from the unions and whatever. And I've heard there are problems at the NHS too, the health service. What's going on there? Oh well, the H the NHS has been completely wrecked from, from the COVID thing. It was it was always inefficient, grossly inefficient, grossly mismanaged, completely corrupted by the by the big drugs companies about what drugs they can and can't use and whatever. And and they've now created a, a five or six million waiting list backlog on the NHS because they didn't treat anybody during the COVID thing. So the amount of demand is shot up, right? Because there's an hour backlog. They didn't they didn't send cancer patients for treat, treatment or testing. So there's X million cancer tests that that have been missed. So there's X X million people sitting there with cancer that hasn't been di- diagnosed. It's going to turn up over the next few years. Right. The 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 rate of ambulance callouts for heart attacks has shot up by thirty or forty percent. Right, because either because of the lockdown injuries, people didn't go for treatment, and then it's got worse, or they've been injured by the vaccine with heart attacks and heart problems, and strokes. So, all all the hospitals are now got more 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 cases to deal with, more health problems, and they've got less staff because the staff are now got fourth booster jabs and now going off sick with COVID. <laughs> that's gonna that's gonna be really great during during the fall and the winter. That is because nearly all the NHS staff have been jabbed three or four times with 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 these COVID injections, and and they're all gonna go off with COVID. They're all gonna be quarantined with being sick. So that's gonna cause a hell of a problem. Now, do as you well. think if they tried lockdowns in the UK, that would meet with resistance at this point? Yes, people are fed up with lockdowns. There's growing resistance to it. Yes. Now, uh, Carmine, do you have any last questions for Ian Schilling? You know, because I think there is there a hint of COVID-19 restrictions coming back in? Because we're starting to hear about it here. Have you started to hear about it, Carmine, in America? A little bit. I'm correct. They're all talking about bringing mask mandates back again and whatever. Masks are totally useless. And I've heard a lot of people saying they're just not going to do it. That's... Uh, and what are you hearing in England, Ian? Well, that's, that, that, I mean, all the alarmists are all talk, talking about bringing back restrictions and lockdowns. 
and bringing back mask mandates and whatever. I mean, you can see the people don't believe it because, you know, there is really very few people in England going around wearing a mask in the supermarket or where else, ever else indoors. Right? It's less than 1% of people now wearing a mask. Right? It's a real hardcore idiot, so we're still wearing masks. So people are resisting, resisting it, and they, they don't believe in it anymore. And another great appearance by Ian Schilling. We're out of time. Thanks to Ian Schilling for a great conversation and what's up in the UK. You feel you got a sense of it, Carmine? I do. Absolutely. Thank you, Ian. Okay. And it's a slightly more docile version of the U.S. We'll take a short break. When we come back, we'll talk about why Dusty Johnson from South Dakota is taking on Bill Gates over the issue of food. Let's take a short break, and when we come back, we'll talk about it on The Backstory. And we're back from the Empire of Lies, telling the truth in a compelling way, Monday through Friday, here on The Backstory. And it is Carmine Monday. We're very happy to have as our guest co-host, Carmine Sabia. How are you doing, Carmine? Oh, I am very well. How are you, my friend? Doing well. Great to talk to Ian. Ian Schilling from the UK. Because I do think guy. that... I think, Carmine, that we're in an age of worldwide revolution. In 1848, there were 200 plus revolutions worldwide. And it seems to me like we're in that kind of period. Does it seem like that to you, Carmine? It's a little frightening. It's not just going off. And I'll put it like this. It seems to me like Canada's ready to blow at any time. I'm starting to see some solidarity protests by the farmers in solidarity well, with the Dutch I mean, farmers. It started with the truckers, didn't it? So It started with the truckers, yeah. And now, didn't, what did uh, Trudeau do today about the fertilizer? Right. Because the, we'll, we'll talk about that. Actually, Carmine, do me a favor. Say the name yeah. of the show so we can pass the boom. Sure. This is the backstory. And by the way, we'd be joined briefly by Wyatt Reed at the bottom of the half hour talking about kill lists for journalists. So go ahead, Carmine. What were you saying? Well, I mean, the whole the whole scheme of the global warming is is based on a power grab as well. All of this stuff, bro. I mean, I hate to sound like a conspiracy theorist, but you kind of have to be blind or uneducated to not understand that the scientists are paid by the governments. The governments need the evidence to show that there's global warming. As I told you earlier, less than 5% of scientific research comes back against the foredrawn conclusions of the sponsor of the research. Now, I'm not saying global warming is not real. It is, but you can look throughout human history. There was a time before humans existed. Uh, gosh, I can't remember the name of the period, but you can, you can check it out. 
where the temperature of the earth rose six degrees. Then it came back down. Then it rose. Then it came back down. Then it rose. Then it came back down. This is what the earth does. And while I'm not saying carbon doesn't have some effect, I believe it is far overblown and is used as a means to control, move wealth, and shift the global economic structure. So that's just one thing. Declaring monkeypox a public health emergency. Why? There's a very obvious way you could you you contract monkeypox. If you don't do that thing, you won't contract monkeypox. It's not like COVID where you can breathe and catch it. Okay, so this now, is come, another come control thing. Try to gently be gentle. Try to say what that one thing is in a radio friendly way. Okay, uh, men who engage in certain activities with other men and. Look, if you're a man who engages in these activities with men and you have a steady partner and neither one of you cheat, you're not going to get it. You know what I'm saying? But there was a, a person who who wrote an op ed, you know, over the weekend talking about how the system had failed him because he came to Pride in New York and was engaged with several men over that weekend. Well, the system didn't fail you, bro. You failed you. You failed you. And so if you're with or, you know, a straight person who's with a bisexual man and he can bring it to her. I mean, but if you try to avoid these activities and you try to be careful, you're going to be okay. This is, you know, and, and, and the interesting thing I find, but again, this is all about control. It is all about control of your life. When people handed over all their freedoms during the COVID pandemic, so the government could keep them safe, that was the blueprint for everything that's going to come during the climate emergency and everything else. How about when they tell you you can only get gas on certain days or they have to ration how much electricity goes to your house because of the, quote, climate emergency, because you gave up your rights once. And, and I was screaming this to people. I'm not saying COVID's not a problem. I'm saying you giving up your rights is a giant problem. And so as you move along in this, it's going to get it's going to get more restrictive. They want more control of your life. And this is going to keep going on. So. And again, it's it's a deep rabbit hole. I'd have have to take me a long time to get into everything. But understand that none of this is not being done by design. It's all being done by design. Come on, let's go to phone lines. Two two five one thirteen twenty is the number. Owl killer is a man. Owl killer, what's on your mind? Carmine missed it last week. I was getting my uh, feathers ready for the uh, cremation <laughs> of care up in. Uh, oh, good for you. Uh, Bohemian Grove. Got a slogan: "Death and coal will enhance your soul." And as extreme as that sounds, it's no more extreme than net zero because you're the net, and you're stuck yep. in the net when you play with those games. And, um, I, I don't, I it, don't take this the wrong way. You're even playing into their game by calling it carbon. Correct. It's carbon dioxide. That's why the court overruled the EPA carbon dioxide a pollutant because it's not a pollutant it's been in the atmosphere forever and that period you're talking about go look at the vostok ice core samples correct 2004 to 2006 french scientists they drilled in over 10,000 they went back 10,000 years and what they found this is this is going to blow people's minds that the 10,000 years ago the climate went up before the before the carbon dioxide went up, carbon dioxide does not have an impact on the planet. 
or it doesn't have an impact on global warming. The, the Earth has always warmed and gotten cold and warmed and gotten cold. Before, and that was before civilization we have existed, and the temperature went up before the carbon went up. So you're right. This is a power grab. And, Lee, when you, um, the other day I was listening to your piece with uh, Jason Goodman talking about the revolutions in 1848. We're in the big revolution. This is the fourth turning. This is the last, the last turning was 1941. We had World War II. They know this, and they know that the world is at a breaking point, and it's mostly because of these this artificial scarcity we've imposed on ourselves. And they know the financial system is coming to an end. And Bretton Woods was the answer to the last one. They know the financial system is coming to an end. They need a they need a boogeyman. They needed COVID, Russia. They need something to blame for the end of the for this financial collapse. We need people to come out and say it, and we need to flood the market with energy. That cheap energy will drive the prices down, and then we can innovate our way out of it. If you really believe in man-made global innovate our way out of it. And for that time period, let's have a ball until then. We're not. I'm not going. I'm not. I watched 1883 on Paramount. I'm not living in that. Human beings. Not, human beings are not and, going. They don't have any control over over, over this planet. The, the Earth has existed for billions of years. We've been burning fossil fuels, which is another BS term, but we've been burning fossil fuels for about a hundred. So please, or a hundred and fifty. So please, let's cut the crap. Let's cut the crap. We didn't have any impact. Those of us, those of us that, those of us that are pro-human, we have to be as extreme. As, net zero is as extreme as you get because that means no. No carbon emissions. That means you got to go. People need to get that in their head, and that, that's what these people really, really believe. That well, too many one, people on the one of those people that I've been hinting at is Bill Gates, and the way Bill Gates wants to do it, he says we need to get to, for the planet no red meat, no people eating red meat, and so meat replaced with fake meat. And so Dusty Johnson, the congressman from South Dakota, is concerned that Bill Gates is buying all his farmland up so he can convert America to a non-meat-eater economy for the climate. Correct. And do you think that's an insane worry to no, be worried about, about Bill Gates? Correct. So he ain't growing no plants. What's he doing with the farmland? Okay. And 202-521-1320. Tarif, what's on your mind? Great call, by the way, Al Keller. What's on your mind, Tarif? Thank you, gentlemen, for taking my call. First, I'd like to say free Julian Sandra. I have full comments. <clears throat> First comment is just, um, it came out that Poland, when winter comes comes around, they're not going to be sharing the, um, the gas that they're getting with any other European nation because they don't know how bad it's going to be. That's my first comment. Second comment, <clears throat> China do not want Nancy Pelosi to go to Taiwan because, you know, that would be you know, trapping on the sovereignty. And there's rumors that they might have an um, air, air blockade or something like that. They might um, have a no-fly zone over Taiwan to stop Nancy Pelosi from going to Taiwan. Um, third comment. Actually, let me stop you one second. 
Yeah, so Carmine, although I empathize with the Chinese not wanting Nancy Pelosi there, do you actually yes. understand what's going on between China and Nancy Pelosi? I do, yes. So explain it. So essentially, Nancy Pelosi, and, and fill me in here on the blanks, but Nancy Pelosi going to Taiwan, even though we have, we, it's so weird because we have the one China policy in America, but we also believe in Taiwan's independence. So we're kind of playing both sides of the fence. And so the Speaker of the House going to Taiwan is a big leg. Can I say middle finger? Well, big yes. Middle finger and to part China. of it is, part of it is Nancy Pelosi has no foreign policy power. Have you read the well, Constitution? She she that's can't do true. anything. I think it's this. I think it's the symbolism that's bugging them more than anything. Well, because it's obvious this is a ploy. Nancy Pelosi didn't decide one day to go to China. She's being sent there by the Biden administration. Does that make of sense? Of course. Because the Biden administration wants to send China a message about Taiwan, but they're too wimpy to send it. Does that make sense? <laughs> it's very true. So they're sending the message that they're too wimpy and they're going to send Nancy Pelosi. And while she doesn't have power, they didn't anticipate China would not even want that much of a message because it's not subtle. And so they're saying, China's saying, no, don't do that. So this is another, this is a foreign policy miscalculation. Yeah, well, even the situation in Ukraine, it seems very, very dumb to even poke this bear. I'm just saying, the Biden administration, someone needs to tell them they're not good at foreign policy. Because even when they go to do something like this, they screw it up. They screwed up withdrawing from Afghanistan. That's a pretty tough thing to screw up, but they managed to do it. They're not good at foreign policy. So anyway, Tarif, what's your next point? Go ahead. You want to hear a big screw up? Here we go. Okay, you, you, Ukrainian SBU ran a little um, intelligence thing, supposedly. For the past um, three, four months, they've been trying to buy, bribe um, a, a Russian pilot to, to take a TU-22 or SU-34 or SU-24 and fly to Ukraine, right? So here we go. It was offering the pilot a million to two million dollars, and they gave the pilot <clears throat> up front, I think, a thousand to ten thousand dollars. Now, apparently, who gave the SBU the money was this man from Bulgaria, and he was uh, part of. Um, he was a journalist, part of Bellington Cat. All right, check this out, Lee. Watch this, uh, common champion. The Ukrainian, the Russian pilot said, okay, I need safe, safe patches to the, L, or the uh, airfield in Ukrainian. So they gave the Russian pilot, which turned out to be a Russian agent, the information of the Ukrainian airfields and the information of Ukrainian and aircraft systems. Okay. Wow. And Unfortunately, Sharif, we're out of time because Wyatt reads on the line. <laughs>
So great call as usual, Tariq. Thanks very much. Let's take a short break. And when we come back, Carmine, we're joined by Sputnik correspondent Wyatt Reed. Let's take a short break on The Backstory. back on the backstory with guest co-host Carmine Savia and on the radio on 105.5 FM AM 1390 in Washington DC joined now by Sputnik's correspondent Wyatt Reed hey Wyatt how you doing I'm doing great Lee how about yourselves good now you've been covering among other stories you've been covering the threat to journalism during this Ukraine Russia conflict and all the different types of threats to journalists, right, right? Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's uh, that's what I've been covering really since this this kicked off. But even before the, you know, February, uh, Ukraine has historically not been a terribly hospitable place for critical journalists. And and so so we'll talk about that kill list in one second. But did you hear about the Pulitzer decision recently? Uh, which which decision is that? They decided to give an award to two publications for Russiagate reporting that they now know was totally false. Yes, 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 yes. And I view that as metaphorically the death of journalism. So talk about that story a little bit, Wyatt. What happened there? Pulitzer had reported, had given an award to two publications for getting a story wrong, correct? Yeah, so we know that the the Pulitzer Prize has has refused to, to to concede, you know, to the points being made by former President Donald Trump, um, and basically rescind these Pulitzer prizes that were given to uh, the New York Times and the Washington Post over, you know, made up coverage, things that they simply invented, uh, Russiagate coverage. Uh, in general, historically, you know, the, the evidentiary standards for what could be printed just shot through the floor, you know, over the past five or six years. Since the election of Trump, they've basically been willing to publish anything that anybody says about Trump and then later will come along and correct it. You know, so this this happened with the P tapes, uh, you know, this this happened uh, with everything that was, you know, the, the so-called Mueller report, this was just sort of a nonstop nothing burger train. Uh, and, you know, so, you know, it doesn't surprise me that the mainstream media uh, is refusing to take away its pat on the back that gave itself for uh, making up lies about Trump. And Carmine, who knew that you could win awards in journalism for getting stories completely wrong? Isn't it a great profession, Carmine? We're car mindless. Well, car mind shock the silence. Yeah, I was going to say maybe I, I can take over for being co-host here if you need. Yeah. So so let's talk about the kill list. If the wait, awards you guys, for you guys not hear me? We could not. Now no, we, we couldn't oh, hear you. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I was saying I I thought they had different awards for uh, short story fiction than than that. I didn't think it was the Pulitzer. Yes. It's it's a abysmal profession 
It's a they bad still, career I mean, they choice. They still refuse to admit it was wrong. Try getting into an argument with Dan Rather on, on Twitter. They, they still refuse to admit that they were incorrect about this. And Dan Rather is the grandfather of getting stories incorrect. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Now, but l- let's make it worse. Let's have a kill list. In addition to winning awards for fake news, you can now get killed for real news. What's going on with this, Wyatt? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I spoke this week uh, with a reporter from Press TV as their correspondent in the Donbass. His name is Johnny Miller. Um, And he discovered basically that as a function of of submitting a comment to this notorious semi-official kill list in Ukraine that's called Miratvoretz, uh, that means peacemaker in Ukraine, so a terribly Orwellian name. Uh, so Johnny was reaching out to the operators of this site, um, whose identity, I should add, you know, is a subject of great uh, discussion. They're widely alleged to be connected to Ukrainian intelligence, um, and there are a number of, of links that support that uh, allegation. Uh, but uh, so, you know, as, as Johnny explained to me, he submitted a request for comment to the Miratovorets Center, which is the name that its operators use, um, and they didn't respond. Uh, and, you know, he, the, the quote that I got from here was, I contacted them for a statement. They didn't reply. They put me on the list. Uh, you know, so that was basically the response he got, you know, within two weeks of reaching out. Uh, and asking Miratvoretz a uh, number of questions. Chief among them, uh, he said, was why did you add a 13-year-old uh, girl? His, her name is uh, Faina uh, Savankova, a 13-year-old girl who lives in Lugansk and uh, who just kind of writes about her life. Uh, and obviously, like many of the people there, she has pro-Russian sympathies. Uh, and they added her, you know, 13-year-old girl who's blogging. Uh, They added her to this list. They put her phone number online, her home address. Um, And this point of this site is basically it's an open invitation to commit violence against the people listed. And uh, those listed are described as enemies of the state of Ukraine. And if you you go, in fact, to the website, uh, you can find – you're greeted basically with – horrifying collage of uh, mutilated bodies of Russian men, uh, their faces bloodied at best, and it says, death to Russian fascist scum. Uh, And, you know, uh, so these are kind of, you see photos of basically the end result of their work of having, you know, doxxed people who they accuse of having Russian sympathies. Um, And it's, it's journalists, like we said, uh, like Johnny Miller, who I spoke with, it's uh, 13-year-old girls, uh, as I noted as well. And this is the the kind of people who are uh, putting, who are basically being accused of being enemies of the regime of Ukraine, uh, and are being murdered as a result. And uh, there's at least one documented instance of a journalist who was put on that list of being murdered uh, subsequently. One, his name is Andrea Racelli. In 2014, he was killed in uh, Ukrainian shelling uh, weeks weeks after having been put on the list. And then the operators of the site subsequently updated his profile on their page to include big red letters over his face that read "liquidated." 
So this is kind of the uh, sense they have. And I should add, you know, Richelli, like Miller, uh, was not some pro-Russian ideologue who went there to make propaganda on behalf of the Russian government. He's an independent journalist. Uh, and he took pains to distance himself during the course of the interview uh, from the Russian government. He's, you know, he's, uh, he has his own criticisms of what, uh, you know, some of the consequences of the conflict there and what that says about Russian uh, government priorities in some cases. Um, but, you know, the reality is... Of course, is, Wyatt, has the yeah, Western the media spoken up? Has the New York Times or Washington Post said anything outrage at all? Journalists being killed? Have they said a damn thing? I um, certainly haven't said anything about Johnny Miller's case. They haven't, as far as I'm aware, there was very little coverage of the Andrea Rocelli killing. I asked Johnny whether or not he'd heard from Reporters Without Borders or the Committee to Protect Journalists, anything like that. And he said no. Um, it didn't sound like he expected to hear from them. And I think he is planning on reaching out himself, uh, which you know, uh, it kind of seems backwards to me. It seems like you, you know, you as a moment, as a journalist in this moment uh, of, of great turmoil should be hearing from them uh, rather than having to reach out and ask why you haven't. Interestingly, the reporters and, and the journalists all really gathered together when Trump was saying some mean words that that they they, they considered a big danger. That was violence. That was, that was words are violence, but Actual violence is not violence. You know, we have a site like that here in America. I don't know if you know that. Mm. That if you if you go against the regime, you can get doxxed and and threats and and everything. And that site's called Twitter. What's that? What's that, Carmen? Yeah. That would be Twitter. Yeah. And if you don't believe me, you can check me and Lee's DMs and inboxes, and you'll you'll see. It's it exists. Yeah. Well, I mean. Lee, Lee, I know at least Lee and myself, you know, we've been labeled Russia's state affiliated media. They've got the scarlet letter on our profiles. So now, you know, you can't even find us. You have to go directly to our page and know exactly what it's called. Or you have to find a tweet that mentions us. You can't even find our tweets when you search us online. Um, you know, they obviously mess with our algorithms to prevent us from doing any. Any uh, from basically getting out of their little cage that they've constructed for us. I mean, they kicked me off of PayPal uh, in the last couple months, basically just for working for, uh, you know, Russian journalistic outlet. So all of this, I mean, it's it's you're allowed, you know, it kind of points to where we are in journalism. Right. You're, you're allowed to be a certain kind of quote unquote journalist. Um, you're allowed to be one that. Uh, works as a stenographer for the military industrial and complex. Well, I know you had to get out at half past the hour, so we are thankful for your time. Great appearance as always. Wish we had time to talk to you further, but you're a busy man. Wyatt Reed, thanks for joining us. My pleasure. And when we come back from a short break, Carmine Savia and I will be talking about the issues of the day on The Backstory. We are back on the back, Troy, on 105.5 FM, 
1390 on the radio in the Empire of Lies. So, Carmine, what's been on your mind lately? I know Bannon, you know my old boss, Steve Bannon, was convicted. And did you see him after yes. his conviction? Yes. He was on Tucker. Did you see him? I did, yes. I did a story on it, actually. He seemed he seemed upbeat. I don't know how else to put it. He seemed rather relaxed. But he didn't. You agree with that, Carmine? Can you imagine? Can you imagine him going to prison for for defying a congressional subpoena? How many people in the Obama administration uh, denied congressional subpoenas? And by the way, by the way, here's what they're setting up for, and this is where their big mistake is. I I, I don't know if they don't notice it or they're just like, who cares? But unless we get hit by an asteroid or something. Republicans are winning Congress in November. They're going to come into January. They're going to start some investigations. There are going to be a multitude of subpoenas to people in the Biden administration, and they're going to ignore them. And then what? The Justice Department says, hey, no, we're not going to we're not going to uh, take care of those. Just Steve Bannon. Well, I mean, how are they going to justify it? Would you be surprised no. if the Justice Department did ignore them? Of course not. We're not sure. Right. I fully expect them to ignore what, them, but how are they going to justify it? What will the Republicans do about it? are we at the point it? where they just don't care anymore, Lee? Are they at the point where they just don't care anymore? Yes. That's what I'm afraid of. I think they, they don't care, but I think the people care. And when there's a disparity between the politicians who should be caring the Republicans should say something about it, but I have a feeling but it won't. It's just as if they're saying, yes, we're corrupt. Yes, we know that you know we're corrupt, and we don't care. I, I long for the days where they keep their corruption from us carefully. And I've asked you this before, but do you think, as because I'm going to keep asking, do you think that they are going to indict Trump? You know, Lee— Oh boy! Well, look, my let opinion me give you changes the argument. from week to week. I, I say yes. Right now, them. I say yes. Right, because I'm going to say the argument against them doing it is falls apart as soon as you say it. As soon as you say it out loud, you're like, "That's not a good argument." The reason they wouldn't indict Trump is because they're not that stupid, are they? And yes, they are. Yes, they Here's are. The problem. Here's the problem with indicting Trump. It's never been done in history. You are now setting a precedent. And you're going to say, well, Trump is a special case. No, he's not. You're now setting a precedent that every president is going to have to be cognizant of and concerned about going forward. Hey, if I tell people to come to a rally for me and they riot, I could be indicted. So you're, you're setting a precedent that former presidents can be indicted. This is the downfall of a country, of a nation, of an empire when stuff like this begins happening. So that's the first thing. The temptation for them is if they take this to Washington, D.C. jury, they don't even got to show evidence. They could sit there and play tiddlywinks for the whole trial. And that jury's convicting them. You know it and I know it. And Bannon had to have known he'd be, be convicted. So There's I'm no sure he's prepared not. for it. No, so if you're going to be fair, 
if you're going to be fair, this trial cannot be held. I mean, there's a lot of partisan cities in the world, in this country, but none. And I mean, there's not one that's as partisan as D.C. None have the demographics of D.C. where it's like over 95 percent Democrat. It's, it's not even close. You can't find a Republican juror there. So. And, and if you did, they're probably part of the, the swamp anyway. You know, no, it, it, these trials cannot be held in D.C. If you want to call them fair trials, it's ridiculous. Sussman walked because it was in D.C. Bannon convicted because it was in D.C. And if they do it with Trump, he'll be convicted because it's in D.C. It has to be stopped. I don't know what the, the mechanism. I'm, a, I'm not a legal scholar. You, you probably know. Is there a mechanism to actually take this to the Supreme Court and force a change of venue? Well, and a lot of people have been making the comparison, but of course the, the two cases have nothing to do with each other. But it's an example of the way the de Democrats keep law and order. The guy who attempted to kill the guy who's running yeah. for governor in New York was yeah. out that afternoon, no bail, for attempting to kill the guy who approached him with, with a knife. It was a weird incident. But the guy who oh, attempted to kill Lee Zeldin, no bail. What do you think of that, Carmine? Unfortunately, Lee, I don't have a lot to say on it um, because I, I'm so used to it. I live in New Jersey. I live about 15 minutes from the heart of New York City. And it's just, I mean, it's on the news every single night almost. It's, it's a constant theme. Um, this is what happens here. They they go to jail. And then, and, oh, it's not going to be for violent criminals. It's routinely for violent criminals as well. That's what the, the promise was. Well, we're not going to let violent criminals out with no bail. They do. They have people who stab somebody and they're out the same day. Uh, brutally assault somebody. Viciously beat somebody. A guy viciously beat a cop was out the same day with no bail. This is what happens when you lead when you lead people on this path of no bail and woke this and woke that and Lee, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to lay it out for your listeners and people feel free to disagree with you. These are my beliefs and I believe it's the truth and, and I believe it I'm backed up by reality, but you feel free to disagree with me. I believe we are seeing the, the beginning stages Lee of the end times that are prophesized in the Bible where good becomes evil and evil becomes good and, and complete chaos and the world is in turmoil and there's plagues and there's, I think we're seeing it, and there's no other explanation for it at this point. You can't be—I mean, I, Democrats have always been dumb, but this is exceptional. It's exceptional. Women, men in women's bathrooms, and teaching ten-year-olds about gender and 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 sex, and this is letting criminals out the same day to commit the same crimes multiple times and continuously letting them out. This is off the—they are off the deep end, like. This is like nothing we've ever seen before, and it's continuing and growing at lightning speed. It's not like they're even taking it easy. It's lightning speed. And, well, let me say this. There have been times in the past when people felt like they were the end times. They were not that. They were in a period of great political upheaval, and we've been at that period before. And some stuff seems new, but some stuff is better. I, although I will give some PR advice to Lee Zeldin, the person who was, they had tried to kill him. Lee Zeldin, if you want some sympathy in the New York press, 
work at a bodega. Do you think that's good advice, Carmine? <laughs> I don't know, but I'll tell you what. After after this, I mean, who was even thinking about Lee Zeldin for governor before this? I mean, this has been the best press he could have asked for, honestly. Imagine what would have better it would have gone if he'd been stabbed. Or in a bodega. But the, but, right, or in a bodega. But, I mean, is there even a shot that Kathy Hochul, who was the accidental governor, is there even a shot she's going to lose? No, because she's got that magic D after her name. Correct. That's all and you need. So, what were we saying? That's all you need, no matter how much she stinks. That's all you need. You know, were you saying that before that Jimmy Kahn died? Uh, yeah. Okay. I wasn't sure what you were saying, but now I thought of it. And, oh, yeah, Jimmy Kahn died. That's the other big one. Yeah. We, and we lost Ray Liotta, too. Liotta, Kahn. Leota, Khan, Sirico, right. and now Sorvino. Yeah. So you're right. It is Zeri. And there was actually there was actually another one too. Um who I I, I forgot. I actually forgot uh, while we were talking about it, and I just saw his name. Give me a second to take a look here. Give me a Did second. Did you see the story about Jimmy Khan who died of course last Paul week? Herman. Did you see the yeah. story that Sammy the Bold Gravano said that Jimmy Khan was mob connected and to do the film, The Godfather, he had to get permission from the mob. Did you see that story? Uh, no, I didn't. But also, just an FYI, uh, Paul Herman, who played Beansy in The Sopranos, he also passed away. Oh, yeah. So. Yes. So that's five. Um Jimmy Kahn was, I know, I know that, uh, the kid who played Carlo had a big time connections. I, I didn't know about yeah, Sammy, Sammy, the bull Gravano said that James Kahn was mob connected and they get permission to do that role. And I don't, I don't know, but it's, it sounds feasible to me. What say you, Carmine? Well, I know. I know the I know for a fact the Columbo's got Carlo his role because Carlo facilitated the and I can't think of his real name right now, but Carlo facilitated the the sit down between the Columbo's and, and Joe Columbo, who was running the Italian anti um, Italian American Anti Defamation League, which is just a front organization, and the producers of uh, Goodfell of The Godfather. And to get their permission, they had to remove all mentions of the word mafia, Cosa Nostra, um, anything mob. They couldn't say any of those words. If you notice in Godfather, those things are never said. And so they had to remove all that. And then as payment for basically making a deal, they asked him you know, what role he wanted to play. And he wanted to play Michael, I believe. And Michael was already taken. He said, all right, well, my other role I want is Carlo. And they gave him Carlo. It was between Michael and Carlo. I believe it was between Michael and Carlo, and they gave him Carlo. So that story I know for a fact. Um, I did not know about Khan. No, let me. I ask did not you know about Khan, but Sammy's Sammy's a good source of information. So, and I know Sammy. So, yeah, he's a okay, good source well, of information. Talk, you know, I can't just leave that there. Talk about that, Carmine. What? What did I know, talk Sammy? Knowing Sammy, yeah, yeah. I just, I just. I that's mean, the end of the story. <laughs> that's the end of the story. I just know. Okay. That's the, I, I, I know a lot of guys. I'm, I'm an Italian from New Jersey. I know a lot of guys from that, 
era. I knew a lot of guys. I would now when I was a little little kid. I don't remember, you know, much, but I remember as a little kid being introduced to a couple of the main characters in Goodfellas, but not the, the actors, like the actual guys before there ever was a Goodfellas. Uh, but I knew them. I knew a couple of them too. I didn't know Henry Hill, but um, this is my, my world. Brother knew, <laughs> my brother knew Henry Hill when it was in L.A. After the. Yeah, after, after Goodfellas the, came out. But yeah. my brother knew Henry Hill. You mentioned that. Yeah, I knew a couple. I mean, it's not it's not something like I, I would love to share it with your listeners, but I certain things I'm just not comfortable. You don't want anyone you know to get saying? whacked. Is that it? I, you know, I just don't want to make anybody upset. You know what I'm saying? I just don't want to make now, anybody let me say upset. This. Since you brought we're, we're talking about the, the mob, let me... You know, something I've been thinking about a lot lately is that people on the left love to attack capitalism, and capitalism is their problem. But I think a lot of times Correct. What, what, what they call capitalism and what you and I would call capitalism are not the same thing. Probably not. Some things they call so the capitalism. God, well, the, Godfather, the Godfather, you know— was an allegory on capitalism. It's an anti-capitalism movie. It's not a mob movie. It's an anti-capitalism movie. No, no, that's what I was going to bring up. I would say you and I do not think of the mafia as a good example of capitalism, right? That would be correct. I mean, it is capitalism, but not a good example of capitalism. Uh, there's a lot of legitimate businesses, though, that <laughs> have similar... There's a lot of legitimate businesses that do similar shady or underhanded stuff as the mob. Well, and when you say shady or underhanded, what you mean specifically is they use force. Absolutely. They threaten force or they use force. That's what you mean, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. So according to your definition, once somebody's including force, stealing or extortion, they're out of the realm of the free market. It's the free. No, this is no longer capitalism. The free market. It's not free. Right? It's not free. Yeah, this is no longer capitalism. This is when you're forcing people to make payments. That's not capitalism. And it doesn't make any difference to you, in a sense, whether it's the mafia or the government forcing a person, right? It doesn't become better. That is, that is the, correct. Right. And that's why I think the difference between people on the left and right People on the right don't like being forced to do things, whether it's the government or the mafia. Whereas people on the left well, and I, I, think that the government is okay. Correct. I would take it a step further, Lee. I would say that I would say that the mafia is a better example of communism. Yes, and define your terms. How so? Well, even just on an economic level, okay. Your low-level gangster has to – they make their money, right? However they do it, they um, they uh, rob or whatever they do. By the way, there's, there's also, a, there's also a, a lie that is believed by people that mobsters get paid to do hits. That is not true. Doing a hit is part of your job. Um, you don't get any extra money for a hit. It's just part of your job. Um, so they're not out there making money on, on hits. That's ludicrous. Um, that being said, 
so your low level gangster, he robs, uh, I don't know, uh, a candy store. Okay. And he gets $500. Now he takes his $500. He's got to kick a percentage up to the next guy. That guy's got to kick a percentage up to the next guy. And that guy's got to kick a percentage up to the top. And a lot of times. So what happens is the money all flows up to the top. And then eventually the guys at the top distribute the money down below in terms of your position and who does what and who needs what. So it's, it's more of a term of, of the people at the top controlling all the wealth. And so when the people at the top control, they control all the wealth, they control who gets the wealth. So it's more an example of communism or socialism than it is an example of capitalism. And also a good example of a secret society like Correct. The, the Builder, Bilderberg or WAF knows they have to operate in opacity. They're not an open – they're not transparent about what they do. And you I would also that? say to you, though – I have. I would also say to you there are differences with the secret society of the mafia. And, and here's the part where I say some good things about the mafia. Um, being, you have to understand that I come from a different perspective. I'm not saying the mafia are great people and you should love them. But I will tell you that they're not the monsters um, that you're told in terms of, for example, um, if you live in a mafia neighborhood, you live in a real safe neighborhood. Uh, that's number one. They're not robbing Johnny down the street who's walking home. That's not happening. Um, they don't force you to gamble with them. They don't force you to take loans from them. It's it's not that kind of organization. Also, there's a code of ethics and a code of honor. Um, now, all this is out the window once you start murdering people. Okay, but what I'm saying is it's uh, the mafia is less corrupt than the government. I mean, that's just a, I'm sorry. That's that's a fact. Now, some people say that about authoritarian regimes. I forget where. Where's the place where they'll put you in jail for chewing gum? Singapore? I, I forget the name. Singapore would be a would be a place, yeah. Yes. And I know people who, who live there who say the streets are clean. Does that make sense? Correct. So that level of authoritarianism works on some level and some people like living in a place but i'll put it clean. this way Lee. if i've got a choice yeah. you can live in a mafia run neighborhood or an ms-13 run neighborhood it's not even a question it's not even a question i'm going to take the mafia neighborhood at every time and it's not just because i'm no. italian you could you lee stranahan could live in a mafia-run neighborhood and nobody's ever going to bother you. Yes, and there there is some extent where the 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 mafia helps take care of you, and Correct. so you you'd see that in the Godfather movies. He was the Godfather sure. for the neighborhood. And right? it's a way of keeping good relations, so people don't talk to the police, and you keep those people on your side. And but I can tell you just from personal experience. That, you know, when talking about civilians that live in the neighborhood, they really do. I mean, 98 percent of them really do care uh, about the people of the neighborhood. And, and, you know, 
they don't want harm to come to regular people. They, they, as Sammy would say in his videos, not saying anything that's said in private, what he said, what he said in his videos is, um, you know, gangsters kill other gangsters. You know, the people that signed up for that life and know the rules of the game, they're not going after Lee Stranahan. You know what I'm saying? So, again, I'm not in any way justifying what they do. What I'm saying is for all the FBI crackdown on them, they were better off with them than what they got when they created a vacuum. Not that the mafia still doesn't exist because it does, but not with the same power it had. And when you created that vacuum, much more violent gangs came in. So it's just something to think about. I'm just I'm just putting it out there. I'm, again, I'm not saying they're good guys, I'm not saying that uh, they would tell you themselves they're not good guys. They don't they don't pr pretend to be or portray themselves as good guys. Um, but and then as an example of, of kind of what we're going through now, when you're at the end of a power, a reign, a dynasty. It starts to hit the bottom of the barrel. You start to hit the people who are more inbred. Does that make sense? Correct. Correct. And isn't that what we're hitting now? The bottom of the barrel? As Absolutely. far as a leader goes, Biden, I mean, it's obvious. And I'm one of those people who didn't like to talk much about his age at first. But come on. It's a point now where you have to talk about Biden's age because it's so obvious. Do you agree, Carmine? <laughs> How could you avoid talking about it, bro? How, how, how could you possibly avoid talking about it and be a journalist? I don't know. Ask the people at CNN. And just think, Pelosi's older than him. I I forget that Pelosi's like three, four years older than Joe Biden. It's so amazing. So Nancy Pelosi is older, yet she seems more cognitively with it. Do you yes. agree with that, Carmine? Absolutely. Absolutely. But, you know, they're the party of young people, man. They really are. The Democrats are the party of the young. You know, Joe Biden, Nancy Pelosi, Bernie Sanders, Schumer. They got their. Oh, my goodness. Did you ever see? Did you ever see, Lee, the the video? Oh, gosh, it was during it was during the comeback concert for New York with covid. The, 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 the you know, the, oh, New York is back. And Schumer gets up on the stage. And I swear this to you, Lee, please Google it. If you haven't seen it, I'll tell your audience anything. He starts rapping. Word. Yes, word. Indeed, word. He starts rapping, was, my friend. How's his rap game? It oh. has his flow. How's his vocabulary? Oh. I'll tell you. The Jay-Z, I think, almost retired after that. He was like, I can't beat this guy. I mean, nothing like uh, nothing like an old white guy rapping. That's it's amazing. It's amazing. And his dance moves, his dance moves, Lee, Whew. Michael Jackson got nothing on Schumer, nothing. Now, who would win in a rap battle, him or Mitch McConnell, be honest? You know what? I give the edge to Schumer on that one. I haven't heard Mitch uh, rap, but I'm still going to give the edge to Schumer. At least he's from New York. Well, Mitch has that country thing going. He, Dirty South, Dirty South Mitch, that's what they call him. DSM? Yes. So He's a stone-cold gangster, Lee. So, Carmine, we're almost out of time. Tell people where to find your latest writing, what, what you've been writing about. 
Uh, please check my videos every night on the Facebook page, Explain America. Check my writings at explainamerica.com and conservativebrief.com. And, of course, follow me on Twitter at Carmine Sabia, Facebook Carmine Sabia or Carmine 77. Um, and there's a blue check mark on both, so you'll be – I'm easy to spot. And Carmine, great guest hosting as usual. Fun show. Thank thanks to Wyatt Reed and also thanks to Ian Schilling. And thanks to all our callers. We'll be back tomorrow with more stuff that makes you smarter here on The Backstory. Backstory.